Good afternoon. This is Conversations with Kay. How is everybody today? How is everyone? I'll wait a few seconds before I get started. Just like to welcome everybody to the conversation on the day. I'm going to take my time a little bit today, but still be very timely. I want to make sure that I um, get the conversation down to T, what I want to talk about. How everyone? Let me know if you can see and hear me okay. Hi, Shirley. <laughs> can you hear me okay, Shirley? All right, so it is 12 noon. Actually, it's a little bit past 12 noon. Hi, Vicki. How are you, Vicki? We miss you at the pink room. <laughs> Okay, so listen, I got something I want to talk about today on Conversations with Kay. The last two weeks I've been talking about answer prayer and I'm still on the lines of answer prayer, but something that I studied on last week and actually um, just been thinking about since then, thank you, Vicki, <laughs> since I've, I've been thinking about since then is actually part of my testimony. On last week I talked, um, we talked, we were still talking about answer prayer and I mentioned to you or I shared my story with you about when how I was praying and asking God to heal me. Uh, when I found out I had cancer, I was asking God to heal me. I had already prayed about it and I was just kind of listening and just waiting on God and just believing. And then in the middle of my waiting, God told me something that shocked me and something that uh, should not have been a shock to me because he told me about myself. So he told me that I had hate in my heart. I had unforgiveness. So I, I, I immediately got on the defense and asked God, okay, I'm talking to you about healing me, but you're talking to me about forgiveness. And then you talk to me about forgiveness from someone I don't even think deserves forgiveness, <laughs> in my opinion, okay? So that's the kind of attitude I had. And so um, I shared my story on last week and I may share it briefly today, but that is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about, I'm still talking about prayer, but I'm talking, I also spoke about the, um, how heaven has, heaven is a, 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 a courtroom. It's like a courtroom. Your prayers can sometimes go into the courtrooms of heaven. So did you know that heaven had a courtroom, so to speak? So our prayers can go to a courtroom of heaven. And I and I talked to you last week about Luke. We uh, looked at Luke 18, 1 through 8. So I'll briefly go back there to Luke 18, Luke 18, chapter 18. And it talks about the unjust judge. Now we know um, this is a parable. So um, Jesus often, often spoke of parables to give us an understanding of the principle that he was trying to share with us. So the principle is what I want you guys to get. The parable is just that it's a story. It's a parable. So it talks about the judge, um, how um, the widow went before the judge and she had an adversary. Let me get, let me, um, get the story up here. Luke 18, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 18 um, and I'll start with two it says there was a there was in a city a judge which feared not God neither regarded man so he was an unjust judge 
And there was a widow in that city and she came in unto him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. So she had an adversary. Where have you heard that word before? We have an adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward, um, um, and there was a widow in that city and she came saying to him, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because the widow troubleth me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming, she wearied me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Now, this parable to me speaks two things. It, it speaks about praying and not ceasing. Always just stick in there. When you know that you're praying about something that belongs to you, you hang in there, you stick in there. And it and you uh you you wait it out, okay? But it also showed me that we have a court or courts of heaven that we can go to uh, when we find out that we have an adversary. Now, how do you know that you have an adversary? Well, if you born again or if you just born, you have an adversary. Satan is our adversary. The Bible talks about um the um Satan is as a lion seeking about whom to destroy, roaming about the earth. So we all know the story of um, how Satan seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And that means destroy your life, kill something in your life, and um, um, take from your life. So he is your adversary. But a lot of times when we're praying for something, we don't know that we have an adversary. Or we don't know um, what, in this case, that our adversary has against us to take to court. Okay, so your adversary can have a case against you that he's bringing before God, showing God that he has a case against you. There's a story in the um, um, a Bible, Job's, um, where it talks about Job, um, and God says, "Has you job?" Job tells. Okay, let me get it straight. Let me slow down. There's a story in the in the Bible. Job. Job was a righteous man before God. But Satan, roaming about through the earth, seeking whom he can devour, noticed Job. But God also noticed Job. He said, have you noticed, Job, that he's upright? But Satan said, let me do this to him. Let me do that to him. And he'll curse you. And God basically, in uh, long story short, told him, okay, you can, but you cannot kill him in so many words. And so Satan goes and destroys all of his property, destroys everything, then uh, comes back. And God, he has a conversation with God again, and then he goes back and just and then uh, kills all of his children. Then Job, the story you should read the story of Job and see what happens then. But long story short, how did Satan have a chance to go and steal from Job because he had a case against Job? And I told you on last week the case that he had against Job. So this, what was the case that God had against me? Uh, Satan had against me when I went to God in prayer. He had the case against me of unforgiveness. He had a case of unforgiveness. So God showed me or was showing me that my hands, his hands were tied. Me coming before God being emotional, crying every day, uh, having a pity party. I'm not going to say it didn't mean anything 
but I'm saying that it meant very little in a court case. So if you're in court, say you're in a court in Houston or you're in a court anywhere and you did something wrong or the, the, the attorney has a, a case against you, it doesn't matter that you're crying. It doesn't matter that you are um, falling out on the floor, that you, uh, that you, you know, you're having a fit. It doesn't matter that your whole family is there backing you up. What's going to matter is the case. So that's what I want to talk about today. Now, in this story in Luke 18, we find out that God, our father is also, Jesus is portraying him as judge. All right. So I, this is one of the things that I love about God, our father. He is not only our father, which is we can call when we go to him, we can we can um, speak to him as father when we're going for a need. Our father, God, thank you that you give me this need. A father, thank you for protecting me. A father, thank you that you're good from good to me. So we can come to him as a father. But we also know God as a deliverer. You can look at Second Samuel 22 and two and know God as a deliverer a deliverer. Okay. We can know God in many aspects and we're going to talk about God as a judge today, but we can also know God as a king. The Bible talks about God as a king. And when we're looking at a kingdom, we're looking at God as a king. And we can look at Psalms 10 and 16 and Psalms 47 and two, and look at God as a king. We can look at God as our shepherd, as our shepherd leading us. So God can be everything to us. I want to make that point with us, with you. God can be everything to us. So when we get to a point and we're in prayer, we can go to God as our judge. We can go to God as a judge. God, you judge this situation. And if I am found, found at fault, this is you speaking in prayer. If I am found at fault, judge the situation. Show me my case that the enemy has before me. And God, I repent. But here's where we miss it or I missed it. I didn't know about anything of uh, of uh, Satan having a case against, against me. If I share my story, um, uh, in 2006, I was diagnosed with cancer. And in um, when I found out, I didn't tell anybody for about two weeks. It was just me and God. I was praying. I was in my closet and praying, God, show me, show me, show me, show me what to do. Show me why. And I was saying, why, why, why? And then one day I just stopped asking why I stopped saying, show me, I stopped praying about it. And I just went in and I worshiped God and I thanked him for his goodness. And I was just feeling good that day. But immediately when I stepped out of my closet to go on about my day, I heard the voice of God that said, you have hate in your heart and you need to forgive your husband. You hate your husband. And at that moment, I burst into tears. I burst into tears because I knew that it was true. I never said that I hated him. I never, uh, as far as I knew, I never even thought it. I knew that there were some issues. I knew that I was angry. I knew I stayed angry a lot. I knew I stayed angry all the time, but it never occurred to me that I had so much pent down anger in me that it um, boiled into hate. And so I cried for a minute and then I got a little defensive and I said, but God, you know, that's not right. That's not right. And immediately, <laughs> immediately, I straighten myself up and I say, God, that's true. And if you'll help me, I'll forgive. And God, I, if I tell you, I feel like God supernaturally helped me at that moment to forgive. Now, did things get better that day? 
They didn't get better that day naturally, but I believe what I did, I broke a spiritual law that Satan had against me of unforgiveness. So at that moment, God helped me to forgive and he had to walk, walk me out of the steps to walk in the forgiveness. Okay. So I had to walk out the step. I forgave at that moment, but I had to walk out the steps of forgiveness because I still had to live in the same house. So this might be for somebody. You are having an issue with somebody that you're, you got to see them every day. You see them every day. How do you walk that thing out? Um, even though you forgive them, you still got to see them and remember the things that they've done. Well, you ask God for help and you ask God to give you the strength to endure and you ask God to give you a plan of action. God gave me a plan of action, not only for that, but he gave me a plan of action for to go for my cancer treatments. I went for the cancer treatments, whereas I was supposed to get six treatments. Well, I did get six uh, rounds of chemotherapy. I was totally healed in three rounds. Three rounds, I was totally healed. You know, after you do each round of tests, um, each round of chemotherapy, you have to go and take a series of tests. Well, by my third round of testing, they saw no signs of cancer. And I went to the doctor. I was like, yeah, I don't have to take chemo anymore. He said, no, I want you to keep taking them all your other three rounds because there might be a little spot. But in my heart, I knew that I was healed because I had won the court case. Now, mind you, I didn't know anything that I'm talking about today. Um, the revelation of having a case against you of unforgiveness. I didn't know those terms. All I knew is God told me to forgive and I forgave. And I knew if I did what God told me to do, he would do what he said he would do, which was heal me. So I knew I was healed at that moment. So I went ahead and finished my cancer treatments all the other three months. And uh, one of the things that I had, uh, one of the deals, and yes, I made a deal with God. I said, God, you know, I forgave and I thank you for your goodness. And I say, God, here's my petition before you. I don't want to lose my hair. I don't want to lose weight. And I don't want to miss any work. God granted every one of those requests that I had. I didn't lose any hair. I didn't lose any weight. A lot of people didn't even know that I was going through chemotherapy. Only a few people knew. Only a few people knew that I was actually doing chemotherapy. But um, my last treatment, I'll never forget it. It was, I, used, I was teaching. And I took my last chemo treatment in June. It was like June the 1st or 3rd. It was the last day of school or so. That weekend, I slept. I went. I got took chemo from Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. I had it three days in a row. I came home that Saturday. I slept till Monday. Literally slept till Monday. Maybe got up and down a little bit. But And I went back to God the next day. I said, God, I just feel horrible. Why am I so tired? You did not keep your promise. And the Holy Spirit yes, said, yes, he did. You were healed. What that chemotherapy was doing, it was breaking down good cells that you have and not taking care of the bad ones because the bad ones are gone. So God kept his promise to me. I want to share that to encourage somebody, but I want you to know that we can go to God as a judge. How do we know God is a judge? Let's look at Psalms, Psalms 75 and seven, Psalms 75 and seven. God is a judge and he's a righteous judge. He's not like the unjust judge that won't hear you. That doesn't regard anything. God is a righteous judge and he's going to look at your case and he'll forgive you speedily speedily okay so psalm 75 and 7 i'm gonna start at 6 for promotion cometh neither from the east nor the west nor from the south 
But God is the judge. He puts down one and puts up another. God is the judge. Let's look at Genesis 18 and 25. Genesis 18 and 25. I just want to show you and give you the whole reason I'm doing this teaching is to so that you'll be confident in your prayers when you know uh, when God tells you that you, there's a case against you. So when God tells you that you need to stop doing this or you need to do that, then you can be confident when that case is dismissed that your breakthrough is going to come speedily. <laughs> your breakthrough is going to come speedily. That's why I know, I know that I know that I was healed right away. There's nobody that can tell me that. I don't have a medical record of it. All you have is my word, but I'm telling you, I know that I was healed because the word says that he will speedily restore you. So Genesis 18 and 25. Um, Genesis 18 and 25. Um, this is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the um, I'll start with 23. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be 50 righteous within the city. Will thou also destroy and not spare the place for the 50 righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do this man and to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as, a wick, as the wicked that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all earth do right? And yes, he will. Yes, he will. God is the ultimate dispenser of justice because he alone is worthy to do it. He is over every Supreme Court judge in the United States. He is over every judge in the world. So there is no case that I can get in that I know that I have a righteous cause and God is on my side and Satan has no case against me that I know that I won't win. Okay, so how does this all operate? Got 10 minutes to tell you. It all operates under the kingdom of God's authority, the kingdom of God. And if you remember uh, teaching a while back, I talked about the kingdom of God is not a place, but it's a spiritual place. It's not a democracy. It's not a religion. Okay. It's not a religion. The kingdom of God is, um, it's actually, um, and I like uh, Miles Monroe definition of it. And he says, it's a governing influence of a king who is our King Jesus over his territory. Those people who have come into it and have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior over his territory impacting it with his will, what he wants done, his purpose and his intentions, producing a citizenship of people who will express his culture and his nat native, uh, nature, okay? So the kingdom of God is not a religion. Religion is a system, but the kingdom of God is a culture. It's how you act, who you are, what you believe, what you do, okay? So that's why I used to wonder why in the Bible, it would say, um, some scripture would say, they look like the son of God. Well, the reason why they look like the son of God, because don't you know, you can I can recognize someone's culture when they're down the street walking. I can tell what culture they're in, okay? Um, you know, the new culture now for the young people, of some of the clothes that they wear, that's a culture, okay? Some of the different religions, they wear different uh, attire, that's a culture. So the kingdom of God is a culture. And so in the kingdom of God, emotions do not work. I'm sorry. They just don't. Emotions don't work. Everything in the kingdom of God is guided and built upon laws. 
God even built this universe upon laws. He's built it on the law of gravity, the law of supply and demand. Everything about the this, this whole world has to do with laws. So you can naturally look at the things, how things are set up here in the earth and know that there's a spiritual replica of it. But the spirit realm comes first. So what happened here is just everything is a replica of the spirit realm. So just like we have court cases here on the earth, there's a uh, it's just a replica of what's going on in the spirit realm. All right. OK, so you have laws of these are the physical laws that you have law of gravity, law of supply and demand, law of attraction. But there are also spiritual laws. Spiritual laws are the law of faith, law of sowing and reaping. The law of um, the spirit of life in Christ. Those are all spiritual laws and they work if you will work them. All right. And here's the key. Here's the thing. They work even if you don't know that you're working them. They were. I didn't even know I was working the law of forgiveness. I didn't know I was working that. But it worked even though I didn't know what to call it. It worked because it, it worked when I didn't even know what I was doing because it's a law. If I'm speeding, I'm going 90 in a 60 mile zone and I didn't know it. Well, I'm still going to get a ticket if I get caught. OK, because it's a law. And I want you to understand that everything about God, everything about the kingdom of God. This this was revolutionary. I'm telling you, this. There's a lot of things about 2020 that I don't like, but in the year 2020, God has shown me how his kingdom works. And if we can understand how the kingdom of God works, there is nothing that we can't get done. And I believe God is waking up a lot of people to understand how things work in the kingdom of God, because now we're able to we're going to be able to see the power of God. We're going to be able to see the wisdom of God. Don't you know that we're in a dark time right now? So the wisdom of God is in you and God needs that wisdom of God to come out. He needs that light that he put on you to shine in a dark place. But if you don't know how to use it, if you don't know how it works, if you don't even know that you have it, if you don't know that you have the power, if you don't know that you have a righteous judge, then you will not be effective at this time. So we have to understand that there's a way that things work in the kingdom of God so that we can be effective in this season that we're in. And I was talking with my granddaughter the other day. How much time? I, I was talking with my granddaughter the other day. And, you know, we were just talking about she was just saying, Nana, y'all got to do all the fun stuff, the good, you know, all the things y'all had you got a chance to do and we're not going to be able to do them and you know and I was feeling sad I said yeah you know and I said the same thing about when I was growing up because when my mom was growing up you know they could walk down the street without thinking about being abducted or coming in before dark and we we had to deal with that but now you know my granddaughter we were just talking and we were saying things are so different but I assured her and this is what I assured you if you were born at this time, it's not by mistake. If you were born right now, you were born for a reason. You are a piece of the puzzle. You are a, the the a, you're to solve a problem. You are it for this time. So it is time for you to recognize that. And it's time for you to understand how the kingdom of God works. If you're going to be in the kingdom of God, who wants to play a game and doesn't know the rules? Who wants to go out and play kickball and you don't know the rules? Well, they could be cheating you and you'd never know. 
Well, that's how I feel Satan has done for years. We have been playing a game and we didn't know the rules. And if Satan knew the rules all along, Satan knew the rules the whole time. We the only one didn't know the rules. We've been going to church, reading the Bible, but we were just not privy to that there was a rule set up for this game almost. It's a game of rules. We have to know. We knew that there were laws. We read it. I know I read all the time. The law this, the law that. And, I, you know, you're just thinking, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> it just takes God to open your eyes to be able to understand and really see what is needed for this time. But, I, but I'm telling you, everything is, uh, it operates under a law. There's a law of faith. Okay, the law of faith. What's the law of faith? I got my little list here. The law of faith. The law of faith is you have what you say. You have what you say if you don't doubt in your heart. The scripture that backs that up, backs that up is Mark 11 and 23. I have a friend that always says, I'm never going to do I never get that. I never win anything. I never. Well, guess what? She never does because you put that out there. You never do. Okay, so even though she didn't know that she was doing it, she still got the results of the law because it's a law. Okay, so turn that thing around. If you say what what God has in his word for you, his will, that law of faith will work the same way. You have it. But guess what? Y'all have to believe it and understand how it works. All right. But today what I'm talking to you about is the law of forgiveness and how it's connected to sin. It's connected to sin. Unforgiveness is a sin. And bottom line, it's just it's a sin. And I'm just talking about me. I ain't talking about nobody else. I'm talking about me. And I just figured out last week why I went through what I went through when I received my healing. OK, so that's all I'm talking about. So when I went to God, asked him to heal me, God told me I needed to forgive. Why did God do that? God did that because I broke a law, the law of forgiveness. And the Bible says that he cannot go outside of his word. So he cannot forgive me and provide healing for me if I do not forgive. How does that work? Let's look at Matthew 9, 1 through 6, and I'm almost done. Matthew 9, 1 through 6. <laughs> Even if you don't believe in the Bible, this still works. It still works. Um, just, just the way it is. You know, I can go live in another country and not believe in their, their principles and their ordinances, but because I'm over there, it's still I'm still going to be affected by it affected by it so you are still affected by this even if you don't believe in the bible even if you don't believe in god even if you don't believe in jesus how many people have died with unforgiveness in their heart and you find out that they had some kind of sickness i know a lot i know why well, i'm not gonna say a lot i know a few i'm just gonna say a few okay so let's look at matthew 9 1 through 6 um Matthew 9, 1 through 6, a man with palsy healed. And this story, I've read this story for years. Didn't understand it till now. And it says, the Bible says, and he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of palsy. He was sick of palsy, okay? Lying on the bed and Jesus seeing their faith said unto the sick of palsy, son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. 
And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing the thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it's easier to say that sins be forgiven or to say arise and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then say to the then saith he to the sick of palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thy house. So this man was coming to him because he was sick, but God dealt with the sin first. God dealt with he had to deal with the sin first in order for the forgiveness to come, in order for the healing to come. So the two are connected. That's one story. Let's look at Isaiah 33. Unforgiveness is connected. Unforgiveness is connected to sickness, y'all. I promise you it is. I didn't know how, and I'm going to continue to study it because I want the world to know. I thank God that I'm alive today because God um, told me my sin. If Listen, if I had not gone to God and been praying and been open to hear what God had to say when I was asking God why and what, if I had not been open to hear that, I don't know if I would be alive today. Okay, but God told me the root cause of why I even had a problem. So until you get that root cause taken care of, you're going to continue to have the same problem. All right. Isaiah 33. Isaiah 33, 20. I'm letting you know that there is a spiritual law, the spiritual law of forgiveness and healing. There's a law of forgiveness and healing. And it has to do with you not forgiving, affecting your healing. Isaiah 33, 20. And uh, what Satan does, which is what he's good at, he knows the game. He's been playing the game for years. He knows that he, when you go into God about praying, he's going to God too. Say, God, look, look, look. Here's my case against her. Here's my case against him. All right, Isaiah 33 and 20. Isaiah 33 and 20. Look upon Zion, the city of uh, Solemnities. Thine eyes shall see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation, a tabernacle that shall not be taken down. Not one of the stakes thereof, um, thereof shall ever be removed. Neither shall any of the cords there be broken. But there the glorious Lord will be unto a place of broad rivers and streams. Okay, now. Therein shall go no, no galley with oars, but there, um, I'm going to start at 21. But there the glorious Lord will be unto a place of broad rivers and streams, wherein shall go no galley of with oars, neither shall gallant ships pass thereby. 22, for the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Thy tacklings are loose. They could not well strengthen their mass. They could not spread the sail. Then is the prey of a great spoil divided. The lame take prey. And 24, and the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell within shall be forgiven their iniquity. Verse 24, I'm going to read the Amplified. And no inhabitant of Zion will say, no inhabitant will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity and guilt. They, they're not going to say they're sick because they've been forgiven. So you have to be forgiven of your sin, let go of it, and you won't have to deal with the sickness. 
Okay, so you, God is letting us know that they're connected because there's a spiritual law that's being broken. When you go before the court of heaven and God is our judge, you're petitioning God for healing. If you are breaking a law, the law of forgiveness, you will not receive your healing, period. Now, you might say, well, I know sister so-and-so who got healed and you don't know what went on in her life or what went on in her heart, okay? Last one, 1 Corinthians 11, 29 through 30. This is speaking of the Lord's Supper and um, the disciples are there and he's talking to the people. He's saying, why are y'all going and having the Lord's Supper? And you got all this stuff going on with you. You have iniquity, you have your backbiting, you're doing this and you're doing that, but you're taking the Lord's Supper. Don't you know the Lord's Supper is the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood? How dare you? And then he said, because you do not examine yourselves is the reason that you are weak and sick. First Corinthians, because you are not correcting your own self, because I corrected my own self, I don't have to deal with cancer ever again. I don't plan on it. I have not had cancer, not one other. Um, and the kind I had, they expected to return. But guess what? I didn't expect it to return. I did not expect it re to return because I did what I was supposed to do. First Corinthians 11, 29 and 30. 11, 29 and 30. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep, many are dead. He says, because you have not examined yourself for any sin, you have not examined yourself for any uh, uh, anything going on in your life. This is the reason that you are sick and some of you are asleep, which means you are dead. So my case that I want to present to you is that there is a there is a there's a court of heaven that when you go to court and God is your judge. And you are going to God for petition him for something. You have to make sure that your adversary, the devil, because he's roaming around to and fro, seeking whom he can devour. And he's seeking you on a daily basis, even while you are asleep. OK, so you have to make sure that his case is not a case against you. Jesus, I always like to look at him as our lawyer. He's interceding on our behalf. But we have to do our part and make sure that there's no case against us. I want you guys to go read 2 Kings 8, 1 through 6. The um the, the woman um that um the shun, uh the woman that helped the prophet that helped let me just go there real quick because I love this story. I read it all the time. She met there was a famine in the land and she had to leave her land. So when she left her land and came back, there were some people on her land. So she they were like, uh Finders keepers, losers keepers. <laughs> they she left. She didn't. She wasn't able to get her land. So she went to the judge, and the judge was not even looking at her case until somebody brought it to his attention that she had helped one of the prophets. And so when the judge found out that she had helped one of the prophets, he restored to her all of her land. Why did he do that? And remember, this is a story in the Bible. This is a story to give you the principle of a thing. He did that because there was a law 
of sowing and reaping. I think there's another law in there as well, but I'm talking about the law of sowing and reaping. Second Kings 8, 1 through 6. I'm going to read 6. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed unto her a certain officer saying, restore all that was hers and all of the fruit of thy field since the day that she left the land, even until now. Why did he give that to her when he wasn't thinking about giving it to her before? Well, because the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha done. And it came to pass as he was telling the king about Elisha, that one of the people that Elisha had helped, the woman, came into the courtroom. God set that thing up. Came into the courtroom and he said, Gehazi said, hey, she's one of the people that Elisha helped. And so because she sold into Elisha's life, she was restored everything. That's the law of sowing and reaping. Okay. So I've talked to you about the law of faith. I've talked to you about the law of forgiveness and healing or the law of mutual forgiveness being a case against you. So I petition you with my whole heart to the Bible says, examine yourself so that when we go before God in a ruling in our court, in the court of heaven, that Satan has no case against us. Because if he has a case against us, God loves us. God cares about us. When we die, we're probably going to go to heaven. But until you get that case dismissed, how do you dismiss it? You let it go or you stop doing what you're doing. You forgive or you whatever it is that is the case against you. And then God will speedily return or give to you what you're asking for. All right. So that is my um, conversation with Kay today for Tuesday, December the 15th. And I hope that you were blessed. I mean, I was blessed studying it. Um, I hope these scriptures are some of the scribes. I think they put the scriptures in the in the um in the uh comments here so that you can go back and do your own study because guys this is so important we're in a we're in a time now that if you are here in this earth today god wants to use you for something but you got to know the rules of the game and the rules of the game you have to know the law the law of the land so to speak and then until we know how the kingdom of god works we're going to be um it's like playing a baseball game and they have nine players and you have two it's going to be a little hard to win. <laughs> All right. Okay. So you guys have a great rest of your day. I'm going to go ahead and finish out my day. And I will talk to you on next Tuesday with Conversations with Kay. Thank you. See you soon. <laughs>